Welcome to Exhale Bible Discovery. Each week, we'll take a deep dive into the Bible, going line by line and chapter by chapter to discover the truths that God has for us in His Word. This is Dr. Paula McDonald, and we are in Revelation chapter 21. We are now in the second to the last chapter of this amazing book, and what a great study it has been. Last week in chapter 20, we saw the final binding and imprisonment of Satan, and then we learned about the promise of the thousand years, the final defeat of Satan, and the judgment at the great white throne. And this lesson in chapter 21, we have the privilege of receiving a glimpse of the new things that we are promised. The new heaven and earth are in the first division with the new Jerusalem in the second division. So section one is the new heaven and earth, and this is Revelation 21, one through eight. And verse one starts with this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Well, this vision implies that the old heaven and the old earth are being replaced by something new. In the next sentence, John tells us that the former or first heaven and earth, they have simply passed away. And that means, you guys, they are no more. That's pretty amazing when you really stop and think about it. And the next, there's a reference that the sea was no longer. And while this may appear to be really, really strange, we need to take a look back at all the references in the book of Revelation to something being thrown down into something, the abyss and the dragon and the beast rising from the sea. There's so many references And these sea references, for the most part in the book of Revelation, refer to Satan, hell, and where evil is destroyed. So it makes sense in this text that he's saying there's no more need for hell or an abyss because they're all going to be gone. With this replacing of the new heaven and earth, it simply will not be. So I believe it means no more heaven with an abyss below. We won't even think about evil things that we've been plagued with our entire lives. It's not even a thought about evil things. Sadness, illness, death, Satan, and evil. I look forward to that. So verse 2 then says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. So next, John is making the reference to seeing the holy city, the new Jerusalem. And remember, Jerusalem refers to the church or God's people. That's us. His holy city consists of those who have given their lives to him. This new city will be our Lord and those of us who followed him and believed in him. So we will be with our Lord in this new city. 
and the city comes down. Right now, we always ascend into heaven. Jesus ascended into heaven. But when all of this happens, this new place with God comes down from heaven, and it is prepared like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And we know that brides spend months and months and sometimes years planning their very special day. They want everything to be perfect. Well, God has also prepared for us his holy city to come down for us, down to the very most perfect detail. We are his bride and he has waited for us. And now the final union can happen. In verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. I don't know about you, but that is an amazing verse. In chapter 4, John was commanded by a voice to go up to the throne room where he would be shown everything. And it was a beautiful chapter about heaven. So if you ever want to really go back and study what heaven is like, go to Revelation chapter 4 or go back and listen to the podcast on that particular chapter. So here in chapter 21, John is once again commanded by a loud voice to look upon God's new dwelling place. And he is told God will dwell with us. Can you even imagine dwelling directly with God? Well, in Exodus 25a, it says, Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. So in this passage, we see the Lord giving Moses instructions to build the tabernacle by the Israelites who journeyed from Mount Sinai to the Promised Land. The Lord desired to be with the Israelites. And building the tabernacle provided a place for the Lord's presence to dwell in order for him to be with his people. The Lord proved himself faithful as his presence filled the tabernacle. You guys, he has always desired to be with us. And as believers, we have also received the beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit that indwells with us. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit dwells in you? He's always desired to dwell with us. So in this new city, he will dwell directly with us as he did in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And I can't even imagine how this scripture is so clear telling us that God himself will be with us. It's mind-blowing. Verse 4, beautiful verse here. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Wow, you guys, that's really great news. And as any father desires for his children, He desires for them to be happy, safe, and secure. And so in this new holy city, tears will not exist as the reason for sadness is going to be erased. All of the hurts and horrors 
and heinous acts on earth will completely pass away. There will be no memory of them, and it's such a great thought for those of us who've lived painful lives on earth, those who have been martyred, beheaded, tortured for Christ. They will never again feel anything like that again, and there won't be any memory of those horrendous events. Verse 5, he who seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So it's important to know that the book of Revelation, we haven't heard from God. We've heard a lot from Jesus. But now this particular verse, the he, it's referring specifically to God. He is now speaking and telling us the one is who is making everything new, and that's him. He tells John that what he is telling them can be relied upon as absolute truth. Verse 6, he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. So next, God is speaking the last words of Jesus. It is done. It is finished. So just as Jesus completed his work on the cross, God is now finishing his last dealings of evil on this earth. And he confirms his eternalness by telling us that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And there is no other God but only the I Am. And the next statement regarding the thirsty resonates with the words of Jesus in John four fourteen. But those who drink the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. And here, this verse in Revelation, he says, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And God's people who have believed and accepted his beloved son will now enjoy this eternal spring of water directly from him. And the reason it doesn't cost anything is because Jesus already paid that cost for us through his blood on the cross. Verse 7, those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. Those of us who stayed with Jesus, no matter the cost, will be counted as victorious. We stayed the course, and we are on the winning side. He is our God, and we are his children. We are truly part of his family that he cherishes greatly. And then, right here at verse 8, the narrative suddenly changes as a reminder to those who are reading this book of Revelation, that there are those who will not take part in this beautiful family of God in the new city. Verse 8 says, but, and remember when there's a but or a therefore, it's there for a reason in scripture. So, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. 
this is the second death. So we know cowards, they're self-serving, and they place their own needs ahead of anyone else. Unbelievers are those who choose to deny Christ, and it's a choice. Those who did not need him during their lives on earth, and they did not believe that he died for their sins. They are the unbelievers. Vileness refers to those who are morally despicable and wicked. Murderers are those who destroyed God's creation through killing. Sexually immoral is any deviant sexual behavior that goes against God's original design for it. Practice magic arts means anything that is conjuring up evil powers in opposition to God or his people. Idolaters who worship idols, and this can be money, position, or anything other than God. And then liars, we know they spew untruths so easily that they begin to believe their own filthy ways. So the destiny of these people is a second death, which consists of a fiery lake of burning sulfur. There is no room for these unrepentant people to be with God and his people in the new city. So the truth bomb for this section, God will be coming down in his new city to be with his people forever. And your call to action, as you grasp the truth of dwelling with God personally, how does this change how you are choosing to live today? And who do you know who needs to hear this amazing truth? Okay, our second division is the New Jerusalem. This is Revelation 21, 9 through 27. Verse 9 says, One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And so let's go back and review that the angel mentioned here that we should not overlook the fact that this is the angel is exactly the one who showed John the judgment of the great whore. So this was in Revelation chapter 17, where it said, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. And so now this same angel has the privilege of showing us the bride of the Lamb. And the bride are those of us who are seen as sinless because of our devotion to Christ. Verse 10, And he carried me away in the Spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. In Revelation, John was in the Spirit four times through this book. Revelation 1.10 Four two, seventeen three, and now here in twenty one ten, and so the first time, he heard and saw the Lord Jesus and received his words to the seven churches. The second time he was in the Spirit, John saw God's throne in heaven, the Lamb opening the seven seals, and all God's judgments upon the earth and the unrepentant people on it. And the third time he was in the Spirit, he was shown Babylon and God's final judgments. And then now, 
he sees the new Jerusalem at the center of the new earth. And again, we are told that this new city comes down out of heaven. And so let's talk a little bit about mountaintop experiences that are shown throughout the Bible. And always, it's God showing himself to his people in a really amazing way. We know Moses spent time on a mountain meeting with God and receiving the Ten Commandments. In Ezekiel 40, 1 through 4, tells of the prophet Ezekiel being taken to a very high mountain with God and shown things. And here in the second to the last chapter of Revelation, John is taken to a high mountain. So conversely, when the Bible talks about wilderness or desert experiences, it's just opposite. It has mostly to do with a place of testing or referring to evil. Verse 11, it shone with the glory of God. He's talking about this new city and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. And so John is showing what this brilliant city looks like. And we're going to dive into this meaning of brilliance later on in this chapter. So hold on to that for just a moment. And this key word, brilliance, is so important, as we shall see. And this brilliance reflects God's purity and his light. Verse 12, it had a great high wall with 12 gates, 12 angels at the gates, and on the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And again, there are some very specific descriptions of this new city. And in this verse, the number 12 is mentioned three distinct times. 12 gates, 12 angels at the gates, and the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And these gates are important reminders of God's 12 tribes that he entrusted in the Old Testament. And Jesus told us in John 10, 7 through 10, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Gates were very important in the cities of the Bible. They were used to keep people who did not belong in the city out. So Jesus is telling us very clearly that he is the gate to God. No man comes to the Father except through him. That's found in John 14, 6. In the new city, the 12 tribes of God's people communicate the unity and the heritage that the people of God have with Israel. God will never forget the tribes of Israel, even unto eternity. There will be complete security and safety for God's people in this new city. Verse 13. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. And as you read through the Bible, you will see over and over how specific God is with his design and his plans. The new city is no exception. Going back to Numbers 2, the people were giving very specific instructions 
on how they were to arrange their campsites. And this reference here reflects this original design of the tabernacle and the campsites. So it's very interesting reading if you want to go back and look at that. Verse 14, the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So now this next reference is to the foundation of the city. The 12 foundations with the name of the 12 apostles of Christ from the New Testament. And once again, as we have seen in this book of Revelation, the unity of the Old Testament leaders coming together and supporting the entire Bible with the New Testament leaders is evident over and over and over. And what a beautiful picture of stability, history, and of God's perfect plan with this new city. Verse 15, the angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. Back in Revelation 11, John described the measuring of the temple of God. And now in this final city, the protection of God's design remains. He has laid out and determined every square inch of his new city. Every specific detail has been designed by the Almighty. And when you take time to truly study God's design, humans, animals, cellular structure, atomic structure, chemical compounds, the law of physics, geometry, numbers, and on and on and on, his exactness cannot be missed. There's too much of it, and it all points to an almighty God. Verses 16 through 17. The city was laid out like a square. As long as it was wide, he measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, and as wide and high as it was long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement, and it was 144 cubits thick. So the references here lay out, obviously, a very large space. And most scholars believe that this is the example of the final tabernacle or dwelling place for God and his people. And the reference here is that the city is very large and large enough to house all of God's people. And here's an interesting math factoid. 12,000 is the product of three, which could stand for the Trinity. It times four for the universe, times 10 times 10 times 10, which is the ultimate completeness and perfection. So this number expresses the complete and perfect result of the saving power of a triune God operating in the universe. Verse 18, the wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold as pure as glass. Can you imagine such a glimmering place? None of us can grasp the magnitude of the description that John is doing his best to share with us in his way of thinking back then and the words that he knew. He's doing his very best to describe this incredible brilliance of this new city. Verses 19 through 20. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. Jasper, sapphire, agate, emerald, onyx, ruby, chrysolite, beryl, topaz, 
turquoise, jacinth, and amethyst. And so I told you we were going to come back to this word brilliance. So in my research for this chapter, I really started digging into these gemstones that are mentioned in this chapter, and I discovered a really amazing fact. If you shine pure light through a slice of a precious stone, there's only two things that can happen. One, the slice will lose all of its color, and it'll simply just look dark. Or, the slice will change from its present color into all of the colors of the rainbow and the most wonderful patterns beyond imagination. And these stones are called anisotropic. The stones that lose their color are called isotropic. So this verse states that these 12 different, very precious stones are going to be used to build the new Jerusalem walls, and they are anisotropic. They don't lose their color. So how could anyone have known this at that time? And the truth is, no one could have known it back then. Only God could know. And now, with our advanced technology, we see that science once again proves a biblical truth. How cool is that? These 12 brilliant stones actually become iridescent in pure light, and they reflect all of the colors of the rainbow. And so this is what John was seeing, this beautiful, clear, iridescent reflection of all the colors coming together in this beautiful sight. So if you want to look up anisotropic, it's A-N-I-S-O-T-R-O-P-I-C gems. And if you Google that, you're going to find some really neat diagrams that can show you what that looks like. So then remember back to our discussion from chapter four of the description of the throne room that shone like emeralds. So this is very similar to that. And we've discussed previously that the breastplate of the priests from the Old Testament in Exodus, they contained 12 stones that represented the 12 tribes. And this was fashioned very, very specifically. And the stones covered the heart of the priest. And these stones represented how precious God's people are to him and how he desires to keep them close to his heart. So as this new city is being laid out, it is clear that God counts us as his holy priests. The priestly stones are embedded into the very foundation as a reminder to us. Verse 21, the 12 gates were 12 pearls, and each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was gold as pure as transparent glass. This beautiful description of the city, down to the detail, continues in this next verse. And we've also heard over the years, I'm sure you have, a reference to the pearly gates. And this is where it comes from. Pearls are formed after years of being inside of a shell. They get their beauty from constant rubbing and irritation. <laughs> God's people are also formed and refined over time as we endure hardships in this life. The end result, however, is we are beautiful pearls in his eyes. We are beautiful to him from 
our refinement on earth. Love that. The streets of gold are described as being pure as transparent glass. And this gold is so pure that it's translucent. What a sight to behold. Verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And so before really digging into this book of Revelation, I'd never thought about there not being a temple or a place of worship in heaven or the new city. But it makes perfectly good sense, doesn't it? There is no need for this because God himself and Jesus are the true temple and they will be right there with us. And this was foretold in 2 Samuel 7.13. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Verse 23. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. The lamb is the lamp. And likewise, the light sources that we rely here upon earth, they will not be needed in the new city. The Shekinah glory or the radiance of God, will shine so brightly that there will be no need for additional light sources. The source of light will provide what is needed. And as so many have tried over the history of the earth to snuff out the light of God, in the end, His light will be an eternal characteristic that all will see and enjoy. Verse 24, The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. So the nations being referred to are God's people, as we will all truly be one nation under God. We will be the kings of this new earth, and we will be the splendor that represents God and his kingdom. Verse 25, On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. How encouraging to know that there is now no need to have shut gates because there's no danger of anything or evil coming in because it's all been removed. God's people will live in complete security with him forever. Verse 26 through 27, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And this is simply another confirmation that evildoers will not have any access to this new city. They simply will not be around. But those of us who have our names in his book of life will enter. And we can be certain of this because we have accepted Christ into our lives. Our names will indeed be in his book of life. The truth bomb this new city that God has promised will exceed anything we can even imagine. He has this perfect place planned to every inch and detail just for us. So your call to action, will you share this incredible news with someone today who needs to hear it? Can you imagine not being part of this new city? And so your summary, God has made it clear he is replacing this old earth with his perfect plan of wiping away the old and bringing in the new. He has also made it very clear that we as believers will dwell with him in this new place. Oh, hallelujah, friends. This is good news. 
we must share this news for all to hear. So this summary sentence, believers will dwell with God in the new city. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the promises you have for us. We cannot wait to be with you in this new city. And I pray that everyone listening will be sharing this news with someone today. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Be sure to visit my website, drpaulamcdonald.com. Click on podcast and then exhale Bible discovery for self-study guides and resources to support you with each episode.